Welcome to Sports Girls Podcast, brought to you by sportstalk.ie. Check out gemevents.ie, candy carts, chocolate fountains, selfie mirrors. We got all your party needs covered at gemevents.ie, healthandfitnessireland.net. We put you back in control of your health, fitness, nutritional and well-being needs through education, advice and motivation. Check out healthandfitnessireland.net. Looking to dance the night away? Check out thelols.ie, the perfect sound for your next wedding, party or function. Great set lists, lively and sure crowd pleasers So with regards to the campaign 2020 that was launched earlier this week um, Show Your Stripes, Can't See Can't Be initiative um, you know, what are your thoughts on that campaign itself, what they're trying to do by 2020 in increasing participation and involvement um, I thought it was a fantastic initiative uh, when they explain what it was the, the name is, it isn't very self-explanatory but in between the lines and you look at the numbers that they're suggesting very obvious what the whole campaign is about um, and I suppose the, like ever since it was launched on one day like it's all we've seen on Twitter when we, maybe that's just my feed in particular um, but I think that they really hit their targets this week in particular um, it's just the case of From, I suppose, the development of this concept to where it needs to go, um, you know, how do you look at that happening? Yeah, you, you do have to ask the question outside of this fantastic marketing campaign, what strategies do they have in place to achieve the 20%? Uh, it is a short time frame to achieve such a huge percentage increase. So, you know, where, what else are they doing behind the scenes? Um, you know, from, from reading up on it and having watched the ads and so on, they, they have a research-based format, which is fantastic. You know, once you start with research, you're definitely going in the right direction. Um, as Lauren already mentioned, they have the right people, the right organizations talking in the one room. And I think that's key for this. You know, Mary O'Connor, the spearhead of the campaign, she's the CEO of the Federation of Irish Sport. She identified their aim of unifying all the national governing, governing bodies. Because we are aware, you know, there are great, things being done at grassroots um, in different places around the country, but bringing them all together now, you know, I think that's definitely a brilliant strategy that they've put in place, so more like that, the strong sponsorship, um, there's big names there, Little, who we're all familiar with in Gaelic circles, AIG, KPMG, like they're all hard hitters in terms of backing, so you'd see that whatever they do have in place going forward, they have the finances for it, and just top women in sports spearheading it, um, you know, it really is exciting, even in its infancy, and it does look very, very promising, um, so yeah, and just in terms of their ambassadors, I suppose, um, one of their aims is to highlight that there's a range of sports to choose from, so that this participation um, percentage can go up across the board, but looking at their ambassadors, um, you know, Sarah Rowe, who we're familiar with, uh, Louise Quinn would be the ambassador, she's um, soccer background, um, and you know, Louise plays international soccer for Ireland and so on, um, but you know, you might, might have thought, right, well she's playing her, her club soccer in the UK, um, would it have been more, you know, a bit better to get somebody who perhaps plays in the League of Ireland 
to raise the profile of the League of Ireland. And so yeah, just little things like that. You know, of course, we're always going to be critical of different things, but I just think across the board, fantastic initiative with definitely the right people behind it. You know, you have Sarah Keane there, who's the president of the Olympic Council of Ireland. I think she's heavily involved. Uh, Sarah Colgan and Heather Thornton, um, they are co-founders of a company along came a spider. They're a fantastic production company. So, you know, whatever they do in terms of video and marketing, they're definitely going to nail that as they have done. Which is what are the, what are the strategies behind that? So hopefully we see now in the, the near future. Yeah, and then, you know, from your point, Lauren, with, you know, in, in terms of media and I suppose being out and about, what do you think are the short-term timelines that they should be looking at to achieve this? Well, I suppose, like, from a game's perspective, looking ahead to next year, I think it needs to, like, this, the approach of just putting a, a very short match report together for the sake of it after being more pre-game analysis and in-depth interviews, team announcements, like, coverage of the game as it happened, and obviously going to some analysis after the game. Um, You know, during the launch, Rena Buckley told a story about her experience in a club and uh, a medal um, presentation night. Um, Nadine, have you ever come across anything like this before? Have you have you experienced it? And you know, Lauren, the same for yourselves. Have either of you experienced something like this? No, thankfully not. Um, it was yeah, incredible story for all the wrong reasons. Um, I've never come across it. Um, however, in saying that, I suppose any time um, I was asked to present anything, or even friends of mine were asked to present any medals, it was always to the girls' team. It would, uh, you know, I from a, I suppose my own experience, I would never have seen or heard of these are my own clubs I'm talking about within my own county. Um, heard of lady athletes or gay people presenting to boys. Um, with that said, I mean this is incredible you know and and Rena said at the end she said you know we're looking for a massive shift now and for me that's not a massive shift I think that's just not a massive shift needed in, in that club anyway I think that's an example of deplorable bad manners on behalf of that club and um, so narrow-minded um, extremely rude on a personal level and um, you know Rena was taking time out of her very busy life job to come down and present these medals and to, to be throwing that before five minutes beforehand and um, I think she's very gracious for this walking out and um, but you'd have to ask the question like who made that decision and who was allowed to make that decision was it the club was it one person in the club was it a request from some parents possibly and um, it's just I think I suppose to highlight to you you'd hope that this was a rare occurrence but the fact that it has even happened once um, I think it's just disgraceful to be honest it really really is and have you, Lauren, come across anything like this, or? Unfortunately, I've never been asked to present any questions yet. The time has yet to come. Um, but no, I have never, well, I've never seen a, a female athlete present medals to males. And I think this would have been a fantastic starting point um, for something like that. And people are going to be lucky, 18 all-Ireland medals. So we leave her alone completely. There's no male 
deemed Mary Beth even come close to that. Um, so I think it was a real opportunity lost. Um, because again, it's an under 12 boys team, under 14 girls team. Like, first of all, what does that show the under 14 girls? Um, if Rena has won 18 All Ireland medals, she's in a league role and she's standing in the corner while some man from the club presents the boys. And then yeah. from the boys' perspective, they're 11 and 12 years of age. Like, that would have been the perfect starting point for those young lads to see the girls are just as equal as the boys here. Um, yeah. So I think it was a really opportunity lost mm. um, in, in, in that club. And again, and I don't think that struck me straight away. In fact, she made this call. Was it the boys themselves? Was it their parents? Was it someone in the club? Um, so I think yeah, they, they, they have an awful lot to answer for. And as you said, she is such a gracious person. I think it, it's very much in her personality that unfortunately she would have just sucked it up and gone on with it. Um, if it was someone else, maybe they mightn't have done that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think it is like it is something that women are facing in the day to day, and in all aspects, in both playing, in maybe refereeing, in administration. I've experienced it myself. I kind of like, a couple of years ago. I spoke, and I it was the only woman that spoke for the, the, the three days, and I think that was met with a little bit of resistance. Not that, was the, that was at the GA Congress. Was it? Yes, so yeah. at the GA Congress three or four years ago at this point, um, I would have spoken on behalf of the youth uh, forum, and it was myself and three boys, but I, I over the entire weekend, and I knew between workshops and presentations and motions and everything in between, I was the only woman that spoke. I was only 19 at the time, so I was quite, quite proud of myself. Yeah. Um, but even, I, I just felt there was a little bit of, I don't know what the hostility, I'm not sure exactly what the right word is to use. Um, from maybe even my own delegates and my own county board, who I know personally, but I kind of felt like they thought, oh, it's great that Lauren's here, but what are you doing up on the stage? Like, that's, I should be up there, maybe you shouldn't be up there. Um, so I like, guess that's my own experience of maybe something along the lines of this. So it seems like um, that there's like almost a, um, a limitation or, you know, a border or a box that you know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be trying to get out of or, you know, to break in terms of the expectation for women in, in the GA, maybe. I think so. And I don't know, is it maybe that they feel threatened or something? Um, but I, I don't know, it's hard to say. I'd, I'd say, Lauren, it potentially could come down to just change. You know, a lot of people well, love, yes. uh, I suppose, organisations with a very strong culture and tradition don't like change. You know, to top that off then this week, um, Cora Staunton, she launched her book Game Changer um, on Thursday night. And, you know, that's that's breaking down boundaries as well. Um, ha- have you um, have you read any of the articles or any of the releases? And yeah, I'm really excited, you know, to read the book. I have been reading a few of the extracts. Um, she has definitely gained the publicity, but will it open the door for other people or other female athletes? to possibly um, go down the same direction and hopefully, but, you know, you look at it, it comes down to money, I suppose, if the book's successful. Um, the publishing company, company may be interested in approaching other people. And um, you look at other books that have um, come before this in regards to Ladies Football Relentless, was a fantastic read. Um, Mary White also wrote that. Um, really inspirational based on the lady, the court lady football, lady footballers. Um, I suppose I loved it personally because of the humility and the humbleness and the respect of others that, that the 
Cork are showed um, and how much they achieved as a team. I mean, it really was an incredible read. So I suppose will we get the same in this book um, from Cora? You know, will it be as inspirational for young, young girls to read and will it get the right messages across? And I think if it does, then there's definitely opportunities there um, for other female athletes to, to do the same. Um, I suppose parts of the book that have been released this week and she discussed on the Late Late Show last night around Humperdy and brought it up where the areas addressing her um, sexuality that she felt the need to talk about this. Um, she said that she found homosexuality very difficult to understand as a young person being from rural, rural Ireland. Um, but now she's no longer worried about what people might assume. Um, she felt it important to address this as a straight woman uh, for any young girls growing up who might be struggling in any area of their life, um, as she herself found this difficult. Um, I personally would find this a bit, uh, I felt there was a bit of a mixed message, and I think she had the opportunity to maybe um, address it in a, I suppose, a better manner. I just felt that it actually sends a mixed message to young girls who might be struggling in any area because she felt that she would have loved to be able to go to socialise with gay friends and gay bars, but as she goes there, she feels the rumour mill will go into overdrive, and um, so they all go to straight bars. Um, I just find this very mixed, um, that, you know, basically saying, this uh, is what she's not saying is, um, we shouldn't care about we, what people say, even though I'm not gay, it would be perfectly acceptable if I was, and don't be afraid, but the message I got was, well, I don't go to gay bars with my friends in case somebody thinks I'm gay or in case a rumour gets out that I'm gay. So for me, it kind of sends out a, a negative message to um, to any young person who might be struggling. But, you know, on that, um, I suppose she, she went through other interesting topics this week. You know, there was a bit of insight into she looked at her own way she plays on the pitch and how she deals with her teammates. So it's really interesting, and I think there will be a lot of great stories that come out of it. So uh, hopefully it's a success and hopefully it'll pave the way for, for other people to uh, to do the same. Is there anyone in Camogie or in Gaelic football that you think really would have a good story to tell also? Um, Anne Downey, I think, would be a fantastic um, book to read as a female bunch door. Um, yeah, it'd be brilliant. Her, like, even looking back to her playing days, um, I think that was a fantastic story to tell. Um, but again, I think like, it definitely will go off the back of how successful it was from a financial point of view as well. Um, so yeah, hopefully that goes well for her. Yeah, and then, like Lauren as well, the you're doing a, a special um, preview for the Camogie All-Stars um, that are coming up. You're doing that for Sports Talk this week. Yes, I'm looking forward to the All-Stars. They're happening on November 3rd. It's very hard to tell who's actually going to come away with the awards that night. Um, I'm just looking here at the nominations. And, like, there's so many really, really impressive players across the board there. And a really um, wide, I suppose, broad number of, of counties that have, have met the shortlist. Yeah, it's, um, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, there's a huge number of counties that have made the shortlist, as you say, and I think that's a credit, um, you know, to maybe counties that don't happen to be in an All-Ireland final, as we'll see with, you know, maybe the, the ladies' football nominations. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose, like, definitely the, the two strongest teams met the final, and there probably is a little bit of a gap there between those and the rest. Yeah. Um. But we do still see some phenomenal players on those teams. So it was, at the end of the day, they would really rather to be winning those All-Irelands with their, their 
teammates, but this is a nice kind of end of year nod. Um, so yeah, there's a, a huge spread of players. There even like this, this girl that didn't even make the um, knockout stages that are getting uh, selections for, for, for nominations. Yeah, I so it's going to be interesting. It could be hard as well, I suppose, for them to whittle it down. Um, with the likes of Cork and Kilkenny being so strong, and who will they pick from those? Um, and then will we actually see some representation from those other counties that have been nominated? Will they get on the the All Star fifteen? Yeah, well, you're you're going to cover all of this. You're going to do a full dedicated special um, broadcast podcast for that. So. I think everyone's going to be looking forward to the detail that you're going to be able to offer as well. You know, just recently, I mean, there's a there's a couple of articles that, um, Nadine, did you see the article there a couple of weeks ago from a, a Dublin player who who mentioned the issue around wearing the skirt? Yeah, Eva Bryan, um, very honest interview, very frank, and I think it was the tone throughout was a tone of frustration, really. Um, you know, you look at the sports rule, I suppose, um, I presume it's a tradition, um, it's across the board in a lot of sports, you know, like hockey, uh, tennis, um, an American sport actually, lacrosse, which is one of the most physical sports you play, um, they still wear skirts, um, and then looking interestingly, badminton and boxing, um, they have the option for both. Um, but I was just uh, reading up on it during the week, and in the Olympics, they originally um, ensured that the girls in boxing wore skirts to make women sexier. Um, so, like that's that that was the yeah the premise behind that. But I think a lot of sports it is tradition. Um, for me, I, I don't know. I would feel playing in a skirt it takes away a degree of like legitimacy for for women as athletes. Um, and I think the WGPA possibly have a you know a route to come in here. They an opportunity to maybe ask the players. You know, I know Eve came out and said, you know, she feels it should be changed, but maybe ask the players their opinion. Let's not have this as a central council delegates voting and deciding. Why don't the GPA perhaps do a survey on their members and you know bring that back to the Camogie Association? Really and if it, if, yeah, you know, and if it's an overwhelming we really want to get rid of the skirts, then, you know, maybe the WGPA should work with the Camogie Association and really, really push this through. Um, but, you know, from an outsider, I've never played Camogie, um, and I think a part that I played every single sport going, and I, to be honest, I didn't play Camogie because I did not want to wear a skirt. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that, that could be a thing for other young um, girls that they don't take up the sport, they might go with Gaelic football instead. Um, but definitely in this day and age, it's a, it's a strange one, you know, no more than what happened to Cora and Cork, or not Cora, sorry, Rena and Cork. Um, it's definitely something they need to look at, I think. And Lauren, what are your thoughts on it, like, you know, from a camogie aspect? Um, it, it's a strange one for me. And, um, so I, I take camogie for a long, long time, and it was never, ever a factor for me. Um, I never saw any problem with this. I suppose when you look back at what, why you're, why are we wearing skirts in the first place? Like, if you, get, if you go into the Cole Park Museum, you will see the skirts they used to play in, and I don't know how they made their way around the pitch. Um, it's beyond. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you call it, a midi skirt or a maxi skirt. Um, so it's obviously been a development from those days, but that's what women had to wear back then, and they didn't have skirt shocks, they didn't have O'Neill's back in the day. Um, so it's been a development since then, and even like from across my playing career, we started off with, we just wore normal shorts and then we wore this wraparound piece of material or that was a problem because if that was too big it was falling off you you had to tighten it up it was really heavy material and then that progressed then to kind of a kick and I suppose it was, it was an awful lot of material but it was more sort of skip front and 
do uh, <laughs> actually quite comfortable skirts um, that I had no issue wearing. Um, I suppose the other side of things, though, it, it, it is a very like innately feminine thing, I suppose, a, a skirt. Um, and like over the past few years, I suppose, like, you know, associate women with wearing skirts. Um, the problem was the case. But I, I suppose when we're trying to even up the playing field in terms of women in sports, there is going to be some opposition to the need to wear a skirt in a female sport, if you understand me. Um, like, uh, I think that there's a couple of factors at play here. Like, I guess, like, from the comfort point of view, it just it, it's another thing that kind of separates the two from coming together as such, um, even just from a visual point of view. Um, but I think what you're saying there, the idea that we're actually asking players what they would what yeah. they want, um, that unfortunately does not seem to happen at all in both female and male sports, um, or male games. So I think that needs to definitely be utilised to see what the actual playing population wants. Yeah, exactly. If it went to Central Council, we're just going to be stuck with the load of keep the skirt because everyone that's at Central Council would have played throughout their entire career wearing a skirt and they don't know any difference. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, definitely the, the opinions have to be gathered and that needs to at least be presented to the decision makers just to sort of inform their decision a little bit more. Um, but personally, I don't mind wearing it. I've, I've had no problems with it, but again, I'm not playing intercounty senior community at the moment, so maybe you will just add a couple of more percentage performance. I just think it might be a little bit more possible. It would be interesting to see what the outcome would be because, like, you know, you could have a high percentage of people who are completely comfortable with it and would like to see the skirt stay for either comfort point of view or a tradition point of view, you know, so it would be definitely interesting. Mm -hmm. I think the Camogie Association came out there um, a while back and they have their uh, 2019 four-year development plan coming out and apparently there was no room for any rule changes, but, you know, it's Still 2018, maybe the WGPA could get on that and find out, I suppose. And um, Lauren, they're bringing in some um, suggested rule changes as well and, you know, dropping the hurl and hand passing to the goal and stuff. Um, Is that something that you think will add to the game? Again, I'm torn a little bit on this. Um, I think dropping the hurl, I think that's not going to take away from the game if that was taken out. Um, It was always a skill that I never really fully grasped the benefits of actually dropping the hurley. Yeah. Maybe confusing the, the, the defender or the, the person that you're marking. Um, so I don't think that's going to change um, the game a huge amount. In terms of the hand pass goal, I actually, I quite enjoy actually seeing kind of the hand pass goal and it's something that I really, like it used to be in hurling, I'm kind of wish it, used to, it, it still is in hurling. Um, because I suppose like we all like high scoring matches and like Camogie's like it's definitely increasing in physicality. Um but it's just another way to, I suppose, show your physicality, you're bursting past your defender and you're finishing to the net. And to be honest, I'm probably a little bit biased. Claire did win an All Ireland a couple of years ago with the hand pass goal in time. so maybe we wouldn't be if we wouldn't have that to our um if, if, we, if we didn't have this rule but it isn't a rule that I think we need to get rid of it isn't top of my priority list anyway um, I think it makes the game really, really exciting like when you look at the Cody Allard this year and last year I think there was just one goal scored across the two days if I'm not 
secret uh, with no whole laughter anyway. Um, so I think it definitely adds an entertainment factor. Uh, maybe defenders and goalies would have something to say about that. I was always a forward in my day. Um, so it was always in my mind. But I don't think it's... It wouldn't be top of my priority list, but again, I'm only sticking on my experience. Um, but I'm often, I've always often said I'd love to see it in hurling because again, we're not seeing as many goals uh, in, in, in that game anymore. Um, but yeah, that's my take on it anyway. You know, you're a chartered physiotherapist, you're a highly active sports person, and yet, you know, you've managed to, you know, work with the media. H- how did you get into that? And, you know, what was your interest or what sparked it? Was it the love of GA or, or what was it? Um, well, so I suppose it's a family that basically raised me on the side of a hurling pitch. Um, it's all I've ever known. Um, and a couple of years ago, Pondadrina would have approached me again, just I suppose that they wanted to, to grow up their coverage and they did want to bring in a couple of females. Um, which is fantastic. Um, that was back in 2015, and I literally zero experience. And um, I just recognised that I had an interest, and I thought that's kind of the right way to go about recruiting. Is someone that you kind of you can see already has a passion, and I definitely had that. So they kind of threw me into the deep end, and I suppose you think you swim. I'm not sure I swam very well, but I suppose I uh, I did my best, and it's just that's a, a real passion for broadcasting ever since um, and I'm now trying to juggle a career in both physio and in broadcasting so I'm doing a bit of work on uh, regional radio as well and um, doing different bits here and there so yeah it's, it's definitely something that you love and you'll never work a day in your life and I can completely um, agree with that I suppose um, it's just a case of now I think over the next few years I really am going to have to decide which career do I have? Where you're going, yeah. And <laughs> um, because working in sports physio, that's kind of evening times, that's weekends. Yeah. Sports broadcasting is evening times, weekends. Um, so it's, it's very difficult to try and juggle the two. Um, even like last year, I would have been physio with the Tipperary Senior Community Team. And then on the flip side, this year I was reporting on the Tipperary Senior Community <laughs> Team. Um, so it's really interesting getting to see both aspects of it and I suppose it gives me a really a, a deeper insight into the workings of a team um, that maybe I can have a little bit more empathy towards why different things might be happening um, and then I'm always not looking at it with the critical I suppose journalistic eye that I can kind of see well, what might have actually led to that decision or to this thing happening or to that defeat or that success um, so yeah I'm, I'm definitely blessed to have a couple of different viewpoints and Lauren, can I ask you just in terms of critical, um, could you obviously cover, would you cover men's sports as well? Yes, I do, yes. Yeah. So, so would you find, even from uh, being a reporter and I suppose even from um, reading and listening to different coverage, would you feel there's a different content delivered between men and women's GA coverage as in criticality? Um, like, would you feel that there's possibly in ladies' football coverage or ladies' GA that were not as critical at times of the managers or of the players, just just speaking across the board, would you find that that is um, a thing, let's say? Oh, absolutely. Um, so if you look back at this summer in particular, like, all, all we're offered is a match report, this person scored this much, this person scored that much, and that's yeah. um, If we look to, let's say, the Ireland football final, Dublin's her role, how many analysis, are we getting afterwards? 
how many pieces are we criticizing Terrell for the way they played? How many different pieces are we looking at? How Dublin set up and how Dublin tried to get through the Tyrone defense? We did not very little of that um, in, in female. Yeah. I think that's the next evolution. That's the next thing that we need to, to yeah. see happening. I think it has to happen because if we if we want to get this, you know, extra viewership and extra readership. Um, we have to start being more critical, I feel, and give true coverage to Jay. You know, I think it's rare you'd you'd read that a player, let's say, played poorly in a ladies' football match. Absolutely, that player just isn't mentioned. They exactly. player yeah. or and like I don't know if that there's a could be a couple of factors to do with that. Maybe the person that's actually writing the article wasn't even at the game, and they were like, yeah, 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 and they're just having seen that extra. So why didn't they well? But maybe is there an element to that? I suppose like it's stereotypical, but oh, maybe we can't really talk negatively about her. Yeah, her feelings. Yeah, I like, do think that's an element. To get beyond that, where like these are high-profile elite sports people, they 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 don't have that. I suppose factor or that complex. Um, so I think the media need to just treat everyone as equals. Um, yeah. If you're trying not to hurt anyone's feelings, you're you're in the wrong job. You're in the wrong job, exactly, yeah. And would you feel as well now, I suppose, everybody seems to be media trained. Like, do you find that frustrating now as a reporter and that you're getting the same answers over and over again? They're all, you know, they're all media trained and you're kind of, in that sense, you're nearly turning out generic articles through no fault of your own, but you're just not getting much back. Um would you find that maybe female athletes who maybe aren't as media trained, there's more of an avenue there to get real honest and frank answers? Oh, absolutely. Um, definitely when we compare like interviews with, as you said, male athletes that would have experience in, in, in interviews and are told what to say, but then when you talk to a colleague there, it hasn't been instructed at all what to say. Yeah. Conversations are so honest. They're so true. They're so off the bat. You even hear like girls kind of laughing and going, "Don't put that in." Like you know, they're, they're, like, they're speaking so honestly. Um, and I suppose we saw that with the Eva Bryan a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, it's just far more interesting because they they don't have this worry, this fear. And I suppose there's a couple of factors that too because they aren't maybe worried that the that there is going to be this sensationalist headlash. Um, and I suppose those kind of things too, like they haven't got a huge amount of like performance sponsorship and that to try and keep happy or there's a couple of different factors that play there. Um, yeah. They definitely need some more interesting conversations. I interviewed the captains before the Kobe um, League final this year. But some of the discussions were, were fantastic. Um, they didn't hold back whatsoever. They really, really did, honestly. Um, and it made for some very interesting uh, listening. Do you think, um, Lauren, that now, you know that we have so many, so we have a huge cohort of GA fans who are disillusioned with men's football at the minute. You know, everybody's calling for a change and they just feel it's dying to death. Do you think there's possibly an opportunity for the LGFA and ladies football and I suppose the media in general to maybe tap into that disillusioned cohort because ladies football is so pure and the pace has you know, it's definitely quickened and it's a joy to watch now. It's real football. And um, do you think there's an opportunity for the LGFA to maybe tap into that cohort and get them on, I suppose, the LGFA side of things? Definitely. 
certainly. Um, I think over the last year or so, it's becoming very apparent that the ladies football games are really of a more entertaining quality. Uh, and I've heard numerous people say that. Um, even last weekend, I was at the replay of the Cork ladies football final. And it was fantastic. There was such a huge crowd there. But I often noticed that a number of Cork senior footballers, senior men's footballers were in, in attendance. And this was in direct, I suppose it's at the same time as the Cork senior hurling final. Um, so at the, there was at least maybe 10, 12 of them there to watch the game. And it was a really, really entertaining, interesting game. Um, and what struck me was that it's probably because they knew it was going to be an interesting, entertaining game that they did mm. over the senior hurling final. Um, so I think with the introduction last year as well of a couple of double headers, and um, that we might even see that tapped into yeah. a little bit more that people will go to games a bit earlier because they are going to get an interesting game with Mayo and Dublin as a double header with the senior equivalent. Like that should realistically be getting a, like a huge dependent yeah. um, for the first game alone. So I think that is an avenue that maybe the LGBA should go down a little bit more is the double headers because you're already getting people at matches. But if they look into a match and it's a really, really interesting and trolling game, they're going to be more inclined to come back or keep yeah. hope of what's going on with their own team. Um, so yeah, you're, you're definitely correct there. Yeah, and in fairness, yeah, and in fairness to the LGFA, they really try for the double headers. But in their defence, I think when it doesn't happen, it's actually men's GA who have the final call um, so maybe the LGFA have to look at other ways of promoting it in some way um, that doesn't rely on let's mm-hmm. say the men's GA at present um, but yeah I, I personally think there's a huge opportunity there um, how they go about it now we'll, we'll let them figure that out but uh, <laughs> definitely there's a cohort who are annoyed they, they don't like men's football anymore so we need to present ladies football as the alternative I suppose there's a high prevalence of ACL rupture um, with ladies athletes um, in sport at the moment. And just for yeah. girls, you know, who are going to listen to our players or athletes that are going to listen to this podcast um, during the week, have you any advice that you'd give them from my own point as a coach and the same for Nadine with Westmead and with Nafina? Like, you know, we've player welfare as a priority for ourselves and in our minds and we're doing all we can to read and learn, you know, about how we can uh, facilitate them during warm-ups and training to make sure that they're as best balanced as they can be um, to prevent chronic um, rupture. But, you know, acute will never be prevented in that sense. But from your aspect, is there any advice that you could give these these players, you know, because it's going into off-season now for a lot of players and they've got three months now to get ready. You know, I know the gym work has become huge and people are spending hours upon hours in, in gyms nowadays, but is there anything you could just give them just a, a final bit of advice there for the next couple of months as a, a chartered physio? For prevention. Well, I suppose unfortunately, like the, the the high risk group is young females, and, and that's just from an anatomical point of view. So yeah, that little bit more at risk, um, just by virtue of a couple of different factors. But in terms of prevention, it's all about reduction in prevention. And I suppose if there was one golden piece of advice I would give is to I suppose train for what you're going to play. And, and what I mean by that is to not spend hours upon hours in the gym getting really good at lifting, squats, deadlifts, double leg exercises, because when you think about it, sports are typically one leg exercises, you're jumping off one leg, you're pushing off one leg, you're landing on one leg, you're twisting on one leg, you're striking a ball, but you're standing on one leg, um, and that's something that I see, not, maybe just not done correctly, or not done well enough, um, 
in off season. So to work on single leg stability, and that's I suppose the number one factor. So if you're single leg squat, your single leg deadlifts, single leg landing, it's all about trying to basically train up the knee, the ankle, the hip to be stable in a single leg position. Because when you think about it, that's all you want to be doing when you're actually playing is landing on one leg and there's very little double leg movements. So if there was one piece of advice to just switch the mindset a little bit is to start working towards single leg exercises rather than double leg because like we all want to be able to squat really heavy and deadlift really heavy but it, 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 it isn't overly transferable if you stick with those double leg exercises. So I think that's my one nugget of, of advice. So that's brilliant. We could talk about on that. We could do a full podcast um, but if you could just take that from it, you'd be well on your way. Check out gemevents.ie, candy carts, chocolate fountains, selfie mirrors. We got all your party needs covered at gemevents.ie, healthandfitnessireland.net. We put you back in control of your health, fitness, nutritional and well-being needs through education, advice and motivation. Check out healthandfitnessireland.net. Looking to dance the night away? Check out thelols.ie, the perfect sound for your next wedding, party or function. Great set lists, lively and sure crowd pleasing. The laws.ie